1060 KDUS Tempe Phoenix and KSLX HD2 Scottsdale Phoenix. It's time to hit the field with Extra Point featuring Kayla Mortolaro and Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060. Tweet the show at KDUS AM 1060 or give us a call at 602-260-1060. The snap is back. The hold is down. You can't miss with this combination. And the extra point is good. Welcome in to Extra Point here on KDOS AM 1060. As always, follow along with us online at KDOS1060.com. And with the KDOS 1060 app, it is a Thursday. It is January 4th. Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortolaro here with you up until 1 o'clock today, as we typically do. Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays. If you'd like to chime in, we'll take your phone calls today around 1130 and 1215. The number to dial us up, 602-260-1060. Once again, 602-260-1060. We'll get into the Phoenix Suns here momentarily with their game against the Los Angeles Clippers. We'll also dive into some Arizona Cardinals content to get things started in our number two. But let's set the scene with today's poll questions, and we'll start with the KDOS1060.com poll question. Bob had a conversation with Alan Pupar of AllDolphins.com. If you missed it, uh, you can podcast it over at KDOS1060.com with the Miami Dolphins side of things to this question. Who wins Sunday night at Miami? The Bills or the Dolphins and the masses remain on the Bills side of things. 60% of the vote, Dolphins trailing at 40%. This is up a little from the last hour. is roughly 50-50 last hour. So uh, the Bills are a three-point road favorite, even though Miami is 7-1 and one at home this season. Uh, yeah. And, uh, well, I guess because the uh, the Bills already beat them once before, although that was in well, Buffalo. I the, yeah, I think the biggest reason is the Dolphins have a ton of injuries, of which, unfortunately, took up a lot of our time with Allen in the last hour. <laughs> yeah, those injuries, especially to the offensive line, have uh, been trickling in all season long. Well, it looks like their offensive line is going to be relatively healthy this week, but you know they obviously have lost their top two pass rushers now uh, with Chubb out for the season, and they're going to be without, likely out without uh, two of their top three defensive backs in this game. We'll officially answer that question, KDOS1060.com, around 1230, so still plenty of time for you to cast your vote. Over on X at KDOSAM1060, which quarterback do you prefer long-term, Jordan Love or Justin Fields? Jordan Love out in front, 76.5% of the vote. Uh, Justin Fields trailing at 23.5%. Both these teams and quarterbacks have certainly made progress this season. The Bears have won four of their last five games, and the Packers are five and two in their last seven games. So we will officially answer this question here uh, around uh, 1230 today. Still time for you to cast your vote. As we currently mentioned, uh, you can give us a call today, 1130 or 1215-602-260-1060 is the number. Let's dive into the Phoenix Suns from last night. They fell to the Clippers yesterday, 131 to 122. The Suns were without Kevin Durant. Uh, They received 35 points from Devin Booker, who was 11 of 15 with six assists in 30 seven minutes of action 21 points from Bradley Beal seven of 20 with five rebounds and four assists in 41 minutes of action and off the bench Eric Gordon 16 points and maybe surprisingly bull bull 14 points in 19 minutes he played a lot uh, I think they're down in the you know, they realized that Eubanks was a complete waste of time 
which I said at the time would be a complete waste of time. And we see the same. I don't care if Durant plays or not. We see the same stuff from the Suns every night. Uh, last night they gave up 35 points in the first quarter, 70 in the first half, 107 through three quarters. And then, uh, you know, I know that the, you know, the television seemed to think that they were making a run in the fourth quarter. There was never one second in this game where anybody with their, you know, right mind thought that the Suns were going to win it. They had no chance. And every game we see, pretty close to every game at least, we see pretty much the same things. They can't guard anybody. They don't rebound well. They have way too many turnovers uh, when they do a horrible job getting back in transition after they commit the turnovers. And they also, I don't think there's an official stat on this, but they almost never seem to get the advantage in the 50-50 balls. And this does not change. Uh, Yeah, to your point, uh, the problems persisting right from the get-go with the Suns allowing the Clippers to score 35 in the first, 35 in the second, 37 in the third. It included the Clippers going 60% from the floor through three quarters. They also made 15 threes through three quarters. Uh, The Suns did attempt a bit of a rally there here, slowing the Clippers down, but in the end, there was just not enough defensive stops. 16 costly turnovers in all for the Suns. A couple of comments here from Frank Vogel as well as Devin Booker postgame. Vogel said here after the game, really proud with how we competed. We didn't give up on the game. I think that's a positive attribute to our team. I am more concerned with how we started the game defensively. I don't think we had the necessary disposition to guard an elite offense, a team with a lot of firepower that creates a lot of different challenges with the personnel that they have, and they just didn't feel us in the first half. Devin Booker added, we have to start games better with a sense of urgency and just be ready for the fight. We were fighting an uphill battle the whole game. You know, we shared some things in the second or we showed some things in the second half of what it looks like when we turn up the energy and turn up the intensity. Okay, let's start with Vogel. He's talking out of both sides of his mouth here. They did not compete at all in this game. Uh, The only time that they supposedly had a chance and made a run was after the Clippers were up 23 points and they made, you know, the Suns made a bogus, completely alleged run in the fourth quarter. They did not compete. And part of the reason they did not compete because Booker sucked in the first quarter of this game. And I don't think there's any doubt that, you know, no matter who Booker was allegedly trying to guard, uh, the Clippers went to that player and just, you know, basically used Booker at the defensive end and scored. I also have a bit of an issue, maybe issues too strong of a word, but maybe a little confusion here that, uh, you know, how are you not ready to go for the fight and have a sense of urgency from the very start facing a team like the Clippers that now has won 11 of 13? They're a Western Conference opponent. Uh, You have to start winning some of these types of games. How do you continue to have these slow starts that can keep happening time and again? They're not good. This is not a good team. I mean, I don't know how many games we need to watch. They're not good. They're an average at best team in the NBA. There are 16 teams that make the playoffs. I can't even say for sure they're going to make the playoffs. They're not good. I went through this. I go through this every day when we're talking about the Suns. It's the same stuff. You have three elite scorers. I thought they'd score a lot more points this year. Uh, they've you know, scored some. I thought they'd 
score enough points to win 50 games, there's no chance in hell they're winning 50 games, and they're back to 500 at home for the season. Yeah, home has certainly not been good to them this year. Uh, you know, I, I wanted to take a look at some of the numbers here because, you know, we were talking about the Clippers here and how good they were in the first quarter, and it seems time and again that they put themselves in a deep hole to get things started in the game, whether or not it's just giving up a bunch of points, the Suns themselves barely getting over 20 points in the first quarter, but then also just allowing opposing teams to just walk into some wide-open, uncontested three. So I looked at the Clippers game from last night. They scored 35 in the first quarter. Uh, as a team, the team shot 55.3% from the floor and 52.9% behind the arc for the game. You go back to Christmas Day against the Mavericks there. They gave up 36 points in the first quarter, 53.6% field goal for the game, 36.4% behind the arc. Luka, though, had 50. You go to that Kings loss, 120-105, to 35 first quarter points for the Kings. They shot 53% from the field, 31.6% from behind the arc. You then go back a little bit further to that Knicks game where Jalen Brunson goes off for 50 with the Knicks winning 139 to 122. 31 first quarter points for the Knicks, 59.8% field goal, 58.6% from behind the arc for the Knicks in that contest. I appreciate the work that you did there, but let's face it. They don't have anybody that can defend nobody. Not one player on this team is a good defender at this point, except for maybe a Kogi, and you can't have him on the floor in the fourth quarter of a close game. You can't do They even pulled him last night when they were making a run. Uh, they just, they're a bad team. I mean, you know, maybe not bad. They're not anything more than an average at best team. And I'm kind of stunned why people are so surprised that this is happening. I'm pointing out last summer when this roster was constructed, this was not going to work. And there is no way that they're anywhere near a playoff team with any success if this roster is intact after the trade deadline next month. No way. Yeah, they're definitely going to need some to make some changes before the, the deadline. Uh, but, you know, at this point, you're kind of – hamstrung as to what capital you have to be able to make any moves and then if you want to go down the list of the players that you have that uh you know can can we even i tried asking a little bit yesterday like well what do you think about metu but like the 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 players and the rotations have just been kind of still trying to figure things out and i don't know that i have a solid handle on you know who do you identify as this is somebody that we can get something for this is a player that we would like to keep around uh it, it's just kind of a confusing mess right now i think that's an excellent assessment they just i don't if you're a team looking to make a trade with the suns who do you want on this roster who do you want them in, in a trade they have a bad roster this is goes back to the summer where they've done a horrendous job for two years running they fired the wrong dude james jones is the guy that should have been fired after last year I know Monty Williams has lost a billion games in Detroit, but he's a better coach than Frank Vogel. And Monty Williams uh, is, was you know, the scapegoat. Jones did a poor job constructing last year's roster. He's done an even worse job with this year's roster. And it was never going to work. I don't disagree with that part. I, I guess my only question here is how much say did he really have in in the roster construction i know he is the 
title general manager, but is he the one that, you know, uh, really had the ultimate say here? Okay, that that's maybe a case for him, but what's his excuse for last year? That I I don't have one there. So we've had two consecutive years with vastly different rosters. Whoever was in charge of constructing that, it's been a miserable failure last year, and it's likely going to be the same thing this year. The Suns, they are sitting at 18 and 16, and they will host the Heat tomorrow. Uh, another uh, physical team coming in uh, with Miami Heat and another home game, which has been a bit of a struggle here for the Suns at home so far. That's true. Even though they did have this home winning streak after they won the three games in four nights, uh, you know, the Magic, a good team, the other two opponents are not good. I'm not real sure how good the Heat are at this point. Um, you know, it seems like the you know they've done the, the, you know, for years. You know, for various you know, groups of players, uh, they've kind of cruised through the regular season, and you don't want to play them in the playoffs. <laughs> so, uh, so I wouldn't take anything. I don't think anything too seriously about any team in the regular season, quite frankly. But uh, yeah, with the Heat, I pay even less attention to them in the regular season. You know, uh, I think it's becoming more and more evident just how how uh, much the Suns do miss Mikhail Bridges. You could talk about his defense, how much they miss Cam Johnson. But I, I guess is there another little intangible factor here for what they miss from Bridges and just kind of that energy and that spark? Because who on this team provides that little extra oomph to get things going? Uh, don't think I don't have an answer to that. And you know, if, if Bridges and Johnson were still on this team, they would be uh, arguably, in fact, inarguably in Bridges' case, he would be by far their best defender. And I and Cam Johnson could be their second best defender. I think they also miss Chris Paul tremendously. Yeah, you know, Booker just has to do too much at the offense end of the floor. And I'm not saying you know, there's almost no NBA offense that has like a real point guard that you know, sets you up every time. But they seem to be just kind of a chaotic mess as to what they're trying to do in the half court in some games. And at least Paul got people in the right spots. And uh, they have not replaced that part of the team since last year. Do you think if they could find a way to, to finagle a trade before the trade deadline, if it is a point guard, that that really starts to help eliminate some of the turnovers that we see. So you're getting more quality possessions in the half court uh, that that could really start to help some an offset, if you will, uh, some of the defensive woes. So get back to the outscoring opponents. That would definitely help. I'm not sure who exactly is available. TJ McConnell's certainly not available now. Uh, they could have uh, apparently had him in the off season, but uh, that he's not leaving Indiana these days. Uh, so you know, he would have been a nice fit here, and he also can defend a little bit too. Uh, but uh, I, you know, just to have somebody to kind of calm things down, and the turnover thing is just a, a joke, uh, and that goes back to the lack of a real point guard too, because you know they not only not only turn the ball over with high frequency. They are horrendous in transition defense because the floor is often unbalanced and you really don't have guards that are, you know, leaking back a little bit at least uh, to prevent fast break points. And they get uh, many of their losses this year. They've been crushed in the transition game. 
The other thing that, uh, you know, I'm, I'm kind of thinking about is that, I, you know, you were from the jump uh, very skeptical of how this was all going to work, and I wanted to see the three players out there on the court. Right now, you're looking like the genius. I'm not looking so great here. I'm starting to come around, though, that, you know, one, we're, we've only had a handful of games where all three have been on the court at the same time, so it's hard to really get ourselves into a rhythm, and maybe we just have to say, hey, this is the reality that all three aren't going to be on the court at the same time. Uh, so kind of starting to put that into perspective perspective uh, that this isn't going to come to fruition like I was hopeful that it would. But I, I guess the, the other part here to me that's just a little concerning is that, yes, sometimes these big names don't work and mesh together. I'm just surprised at the lack of energy from the jump game in and night in and night out, that that's just kind of a little a little surprising to me. I, I get that there's a little bit of an overall, you know, maybe lackluster excitement for regular season games, et cetera. But at some point, uh, the leader has to kind of step up and, and put, put the team on their back and say, we're going to start winning some games here. I don't think it's a lack of energy. I just don't think they're any good. Um, I just, you know, and, and even if, you know, Durant and Booker and, and uh, Beal played 82 games. I just never have never thought at any point that this team was going to be a good team this year, other than you know make the playoffs and get eliminated by the first team they play in the postseason. That's any good, and that is not. I've not changed my mind about really anything regarding this team, other than the fact that I'm all surprised they've actually not scored more points. Uh, you know, then I that, that that's maybe something to do with what you're talking about there with that, you know, the big three, quote unquote, not playing many games together. But even when they have, I don't think they've scored as many points and I actually thought that they would. I just thought they'd outscore teams in the regular season and get eliminated by the first decent team that they face in the playoffs. That was my original thought. Now I'm disappointed that they actually haven't scored more points when those guys are all playing together. And their defense, which this is almost impossible for me to believe, their defense has actually, I think, been far worse than I thought it was going to be, and I thought it was going to be really bad before the season even started. Uh, scheduled for hour number two, I have some numbers about scoring in the NBA that maybe assist your level of disappointment in the Suns not being able to score some more points and maybe then also help explain that maybe defense just isn't a thing in the NBA anymore. It is for some of the good teams. Uh, and after, actually, I know that the, the I watch a little occasionally, sometimes the end of that NBA show, I forget the name of the show, which is on at 1 o'clock our time now. I usually watch, I get to see like the last five or ten minutes of that show before uh, – I watch NFL Live every day. They had some numbers uh, right during the Christmas break. They had some numbers how fourth quarter defense is actually comparable to past years, and they showed some of the best teams of how they've shut people down in the fourth quarter of these games. Well, then I'm excited for that conversation in hour number two to bring your knowledge to the table and some of the stats that I saw well, that, that, from that's, today. That, that, that's all my knowledge. I, don't, I didn't write down the stats or anything, but that's, that's where I stole that from. We'll transition away from the NBA and get into the NFL next. It's the Extra Point. Have you downloaded the KDUS AM 1060 skill for Alexa yet? Food. Alexa is frustrated. No matter how many times do you ask, the answer is... 
Mail. Chicken. Once you're ready, say Alexa, open KDUS AM 1060 to listen to your favorite shows. Twenty-six here on KDOS AM 1060. It is the Extra Point. Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortolaro here up until 1 o'clock, as we typically do Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays. Week 18 in the NFL is shaping up to be interesting as to who is playing and starting a quarterback and who is not. Kind of going through this list, it's almost like a preseason game. However, it's been in, in some way, shape, or form just a, a lot of what we've seen throughout the regular season with so many varying different injuries popping up. But it's very glaring right now. Uh, you know, what we do know for Week 18, Blaine Gabbert set to get the start for the Chiefs. Uh, Jeff Driscoll set to get the start for the Browns. P.J. Walker is supposed to back up Jeff Driscoll there. Carson Wentz set to get the start for the Rams. Nick Mullins set to get the start for the Vikings. They've been a revolving door between uh, Jaron Hall, Josh Dobbs, and Mullins since Kirk Cousins went down. Trevor Simeon, another start for the Jets. It's 58.6% completion percentage for him in four games, 654 yards, two touchdowns, four picks, and seven sacks. Easton Stick, another start for the Chargers. Tyler Huntley set to go for the Ravens. So that's a conversation that we were talking about yesterday with the Ravens and resting starters and having a first-round bye and then losing. Uh, It looks like they're going back to that, at least with Lamar Jackson, with Tyler Huntley getting the start. Yeah, apparently a whole bunch of other guys are going to sit for the Ravens, too. And they've got some guys that are beat up, so they should be sitting those guys. So we'll see what happens with that. I think also, um, you know, for many years, I mean, this is not unusual. Uh, the teams are resting players to end the season. and But I do think, and I don't know this for sure, but it seems like there are more teams that uh, pretty much uh, have nothing to play for this upcoming Sunday than past final weeks of the regular season. Tyrod Taylor set to go for the Giants there. Sam Howell, after he was benched, Jacoby Brissett was actually hurt in practice. So Howell started last week, and he'll start again this week. So no actual benching there for Howell. Mason Rudolph, this actually might be a good thing for the Steelers. Uh, 68.5% completion percentage, 567 yards, two touchdowns, no picks, and three sacks. And uh, as you were alluding to yesterday, if you believe the reports there, Kenny Pickett had, uh, you said, hey, I'm not backing him up so he ended up being inactive and that might be the case again for Saturday well I, that's I'm pretty sure Mike Tom in fact I'm certain because I heard him say this on uh, Tuesday that yeah he's a backup quarterback this week and yeah Pickett came out and denied the report that he refused to play last week because he wasn't going to start but he's been cleared to play and he's going to be the backup I wouldn't make a whole lot of the Rudolph thing, quite frankly, because it was against a really bad Bengals defense and what has become a really bad Seattle defense. Jarrett Stidham set to get the start there. 62.5% completion percentage, one touchdown, no picks, two sacks last week for him. And Sam Darnold going to get the start for the 49ers at quarterback. Uh, you know, it, it's it's interesting here. So you have Mahomes sitting, Stafford sitting, Lamar sitting, and Purdy sitting. But we have, as we've talked about it, just it's been a very indifferent year at the quarterback position one that you know a lot of general managers and teams across the league identify as the most important position in the league 
Well, there's just not many good quarterbacks. And look at college. Uh, we talk about all the college, the way college football is played and high school football plays with spread offenses. Uh, I think we've reached a point now where offensive lines in the NFL are obviously bad, and there's also been a, not as many offensive line injuries this year in the NFL as there were a year ago, but still plenty and too many. Uh, and I'll have a re- I don't have a reason or a way to avoid that. But I think the quarterback play, just based on the way that high school and college – I'm not blaming the high school or colleges. I think the you know, spread offenses, if there's, a, uh, uh, if there's a big difference in talent level, if I were a high school or a college coach and I were in the uh, disadvantage, I would be using spread offenses. That gives me a better chance to compete. So I'm not blaming those you know, the colleges and the high schools at all. But I think that uh, it, it – Certainly at this point, it seems like there are less quarterbacks ready to play in the NFL in a, on a short-term basis than ever before. Uh, you had alluded to this here that you don't remember there being a final week in the NFL where so many different teams don't have anything to play for, whether or not it's their playoff seed cannot improve or uh, get worse, whether it's teams eliminated, etc. Uh, so what do we do how do we analyze this with a, a betting philosophy in you mind don't. here? Do we just completely uh, almost, stay yeah. away? I pretty much have done that almost entirely the entire, for several years running now. Uh, and even you know, fantasy leagues have gotten the jump on this a long time ago. Most fantasy leagues don't even include this week in their, in their, in their championships. Every, almost every fantasy league, and certainly the fantasy leagues that have a clue, uh, you know, the championship games were last week. Uh, so that was the, the final week of the fantasy playoffs. And that's pretty much the same way I've kind of gone through the NFL over the years. And uh, rarely uh, have I made bets in uh, week 18 now or week 17 in previous years. And uh, I, I'm, you know, not to, you know, I don't want people not to listen tomorrow, but I'm not going to have a whole lot to offer in the uh, NFL section of tomorrow's extra, extra point. Yeah, I, uh, you know, because there's no Thursday night game, so everything is on Sunday this week in the NFL. All the teams are playing, and I'm in a pick em well, league. You had a couple games on Saturday. Oh, that's true. Yeah, sorry. Two games on Saturday. Yeah. Uh, but I'm in this pick em league, and I am having the hardest time in the world trying to figure out what to do, what direction to go. And I was like, maybe we should just cancel week 18. I'm in a pool where you have to take 12 teams. Um, yeah, you know, usually it's a college and pro pool, uh, so you've got lots of games to choose from, sides and totals, point spreads and totals. It's you know all against the spread, or the totals in the college and the NFL. And you know, luckily there's at least one college game still left. But we got you know, assuming we actually, and I'm going to advocate we take the under in the national championship game on Monday night in the the uh, the Michigan and uh, and uh, Washington game. And I'm pretty sure I'm going to you know, have a battle with my partner in this league as to who we're going to take on the side. Uh, but you know, let's just assume that we actually include the two college games. We still got to come up with 10 other games in this pool. And we have a chance to finish second in this pool uh, for the season long total. And that's a monument. This is a bit, there's a lot of people in this thing and there's some money involved and so forth. Uh, but uh, coming up with 10 games, we're going to go to lunch tomorrow and I'm guessing we're going to be like maybe get uh, four or five games pretty quickly. 
And then after that, how many do we have left? <laughs> That's going to be the major conversation there. We'll get into a little bit more about the NFL on the other side of the break. Uh, Buda Baker selected as a starting safety to his. What a joke that is. Oh, my God. They should never play the Pro Bowl again anyway. But, I mean, this is like one of the biggest jokes in the history of the, of the Pro Bowl ever. Starting safety, he made his sixth Pro Bowl. We'll go through uh, NFC, AFC Pro Bowl selections, talk about the different players and how they've, uh, you know, either surprised us or underwhelmed this season, if you will. So we'll do that on the other side of the break in addition to some other NFL news and notes. But your phone call time, if you'd like it, 602-260-1060 is the number to chime in. 602-260-1060. It is the Extra Point on this Thursday, January 4th. Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortolaro here with you. James Out West brings NFL, NBA, MLB, and local sports talk to you Monday night starting at 7 on KDUS AM 1060 and the KDUS 1060 app. is the number if you'd like to join the program. Welcome back. It is the Extra Points. Right here on KDOS AM 1060. As always, follow along with us online at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app. Talking a little bit about the NFL and the Pro Bowl selections that were announced yesterday. Over in the NFC, let's start with the offense and we'll start with the quarterbacks. The three quarterbacks selected, Dak Prescott, Brock Purdy, and Matthew Stafford. I don't know that there's any argument there for those three guys. You can certainly make a case for them. I'm not sure who would be fourth in that list, but yeah, those, all those guys are you know, worthy, I guess, of the Pro Bowl, if there's such a thing as being worthy of the Pro Bowl. Yeah, the, the one name that came to mind uh, was Jared Goff, and then I said to myself, "Note he had that like three-game stretch where he had all those turnovers in a row and, and kind of was costing the, the team some games. I know that they obviously have won a division now for uh, the first time since 1993, but I, I thought that Matthew Stafford actually had a, a better year. Oh, there's a comparison there, which is interesting because obviously uh... – yeah, he replaced uh, Goff as the starting quarterback in Los Angeles. That <laughs> so, is true. Yeah, yeah. I don't think there's any. I don't think there's. It, it's easy to make a case for all three of those guys. Let's put it that way. Many of these other positions, of which I'm not familiar with, who actually made the Pro Bowl. I'm sure I'm going to be uh, borderline appalled at some of the names you mentioned here soon. All right, let's get to it. The wide receivers here: AJ Brown, Mike Evans, CD Lamb, and Puka Nakua. Well, this is, you know, with the way the receivers here are such an impact in the game now, as bad as the quarterback play has been, I don't think it's really affected uh, the depth of the receiver pool. Uh, so there's probably, I'm, I'm guessing, there are several guys that did not make that list there that are deserving to be in. And it's not because the other guys are undeserving. Yeah, that's true. I mean, you know, when I looked at uh, Mike Evans, you know, he's quietly, uh, you know, had a really nice season for the uh, Buccaneers. Absolutely. And Baker Mayfield has also done a really good job 
especially in the second half of the season. And, uh, you know, once they kind of figured out their offensive line and got a running game going, uh, that offense has been pretty good for the majority of the second half of this of, of the season for this year. Running backs that made the Pro Bowl here in the NFC, Christian McCaffrey, DeAndre Swift, and Kyrene Williams. I don't quite understand how DeAndre Swift is on here. Uh, you know, what, what's he actually done? Uh, he probably should have gotten the ball more. Uh, so, but I can't imagine, I don't know, I'm not, I don't pay attention to regular season stats or postseason stats for that matter, but I mean, I've watched plenty of Eagles games and, uh, not, no point this year did I think, well, that dude's like an all pro running back. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think it just from volume alone, uh, he just hasn't had the touches. And in some situations, you think to yourself, uh, you know, why aren't they using him more? That uh, get, the, well, get the run game going. Well, one thing is he can't pass block at all. Uh, so that was a problem when that's one of the reasons that Detroit just moved on from him. Uh, and, uh, you know, it's pretty much if he's on the field, he's going to run the ball. Uh, he's not a terrible receiver, even though he's dropped some key passes in his young NFL career, including in Detroit. Uh, so I think that uh, those things, uh, he's not an every down running back. So it's kind of hard to, you know, feature an every down running back if he's not on the field. They use like four running backs and partly because they're trying to compensate for what he does not do. I know James Conner missed some games, but would you be okay with putting him in that conversation? It'd be tough to get, you know, he missed four games. Uh, clearly, of the uh, Cardinals, other than Matt Prater, and I have no idea who the kicker is, and nor do I really care. Uh, but other, I think you make a case that Prater's been the best Cardinal player this season, which is probably not a good thing when your kicker is the best player on your team. Uh, but of the uh, players that play a, quote, real position, I think it's pretty easy to make a case that Connor's been their best player, but once again, he's missed four games. Uh, how about David Montgomery in that running back category? Maybe, but he doesn't play every down either, obviously, uh, with the split in Detroit. So um, I think that would, he missed time too. He missed at least you know, at least two or three games and maybe more than that. Yeah, he did. So I guess we're whittling our way down to uh, you could make a case for that third spot being up for grabs. I think that's that's fair to say. Yeah, I think that <laughs> seems to be an accurate assessment. I have no question about the first two, though. I mean, you know, the NFC West, right, with yeah. uh, McCaffrey and Williams. And I think the Williams, I don't know if they have like a surprise player of the year in the NFL. Uh, and he missed time, too. Remember, he missed four games. Uh, but he, you know, he was been so dominant since he's come back, uh, from the injury and, uh, yeah, he's been you know, one of the biggest differences and yeah, you know, the running game, it's not just him. I mean, I think the most improved unit in the NFL, uh, is certainly a candidate for that award. If there is such a thing would be the Rams offensive line, especially in run blocking. Uh, this seems to be like a foregone conclusion every year for the NFC fullback Kyle Juszczyk. So let's just move on to tight ends here. George <laughs> Kittle and Sam Laporta. I, well, I'm not exactly sure where we get Kittle from here. I would I would think there might be a tight end other than him that's been uh, you know done better. I mean, he's had some splash games, but he's also had some missing in action games when he's been out there. 
uh, and he kind of gets you know, swallowed up by the fact that they've got so many weapons. But uh, um, I'm guessing statistically uh, there's probably somebody out there better. Uh, Laporta has been amazing, and rarely do rookies uh, at the tight end position have an immediate impact in the NFL. And that's largely because they've at, they're asked to do a, you know, a lot of blocking things. And most young players uh, don't do any blocking when they're in college, no matter what position you're playing if you're a receiver. And uh, yeah, that's, he's, he seems to have done a good job in that area too. At least they said that during the uh, the Dallas. They were they, they were you know bragging about his blocking tendencies during the uh, the Dallas and uh, and Detroit game last week uh, during the nationally televised game. How about Cole Komet, tight end in the NFC? He's missed. He missed a bunch of time too, though, right? Yeah. So, yeah. So there's a, you know, it's you know, unfortunately, yeah. That's I think that's a good, good idea. But how many games has he missed? In the tackles, Lane Johnson, Penne Sewell, and Trent Williams. I'll just keep going on the offensive line. Guards, Landon Dickerson. Well, we can stop, stop you there. Those three, I think, are kind of inarguable. Yeah. I mean, there might be somebody else, but you, know, you can't argue against those guys. Let's put it that way. Landon Dickerson, Chris Lindstrom, and Zach Martin from the guard position, and centers Jason Kelsey and Frank Ragnow. Yeah, I'm okay with all those, even though some of those guys also missed some time this year. Defensive ends, Nick Bosa, Aiden Hutchinson, and Montez Sweat. Yeah, I think you maybe make the case that Sweat might have actually had the most consistent season in that group because, uh, you know, Bosa's had some not-so-impactful games. Uh, and who's the third guy? I'm sorry. Hutchinson. Well, he's definitely had some missing-in-action games. Uh, you know, he's been part of the reason why the, uh, you know, he's had some splash games and he's had some nationally televised games where he's been great, but he's had more than a couple of games where he's been like, where is he? Well, and how about to piggyback off of your sweat comments, just when he got to Chicago in the trade, uh, statistically their defense started vaulting up the, uh, the, the board in terms of improvement just because of his impact. That's very true. There's no doubt about that. And, uh, you know, he's, uh, you know, once again, he's been on their team since the trade deadline. And uh, I think you make a case that he's the Bears' most valuable player, including the quarterback. Defensive tackle Aaron Donald, Javon Hargrave, and Dexter Lawrence. Yeah, and Donald, uh, he hasn't done as much as he usually Donald has done as, done as much as he usually does. But, uh you know, their front seven is very good. I mean, their secondary is highly questionable, uh, something to consider once we get to the postseason. And also their special teams have been bad, another thing to really consider in the postseason. Uh, but, you know, this is not the you know, when, uh, when uh, Aaron Donald's been when in the Hall of Fame, I'm guessing there's not going to be many highlights in the video preceding the Hall of Fame announcement or the, you know, you know the actual induction not going to be many highlights from the 2023 season with him. <laughs> uh, outside linebacker, Daniil Hunter, Micah Parsons, and Hassan Reddick. Yeah, uh, I think Hunter by, the th- by far has had the best season of those three guys. I think that Parsons is the most overrated player in the NFL, uh, including last week on that final drive when Detroit went right down the field and basically Sewell, who was very good, 
blocked him one-on-one one on one every play in that drive, and you never saw you never knew Parsons was in existence at that point. And that happens with high frequency. I mean, he has a lot of highlight plays, but if you watch every Cowboys game, including the one here that they lost to the Cardinals, he's not good. I mean, you know, the Cardinals didn't even block him half the time because they just assumed he was going to try to beeline it to the quarterback and get some sacks and put himself ahead of the team. And that happens more than occasionally. Uh, then you have the uh, linebacker crew, Bobby Wagner and Fred Warner. Bobby Wagner's not a good player anymore. Uh, this is a reputation much like Buda Baker. Uh, yeah, Wagner has had better stats than Baker, who had no sacks, no interceptions, no forced fumbles, no nothing uh, this year. And he made the Pro Bowl somehow just on reputation. And that's the only reason Bobby Wagner's on this list now. In fact, I was stunned when you just said his name because I can't imagine anybody clearly evaluating the uh, uh, Bobby Wagner performance this year thinks that he's anywhere near a Pro Bowl player. The corners, Deron Bland, Jalen Johnson, Chavarius Ward, and Devin Witherspoon. Yeah, there's once again, we got some guys that have missed more than a couple of games here, so I guess there's not a limit to what, how many. Maybe there should be a limit. You have to play a certain percentage of your team's games. Uh, so we'll see with that, see how that goes. And, yeah, Bland obviously was great early in the season, and he's been picked on in the last half of the season. Uh, then to your safeties, Jesse Bates, Buda Baker, and Julian Love. And we were talking off air about Antoine Winfield having a great season and not getting a nod. It's a joke. Uh, I mean, he's been one of the best defensive players in the NFL this season and maybe last season too. So he should have already had some kind of reputation going there. Uh, yeah, I, the, what I heard this morning is that the two biggest jokes of making the Pro Bowl were Buda Baker and Jordan, and uh, the uh, the other safety you just mentioned, Julian uh, Love. Julian Love, that's correct. Uh, that uh, how are those guys in the Pro Bowl? And that was uh, something that was addressed this morning on Good Morning Football on the NFL Network. Punter Brian Anger with the Cowboys and Brandon Aubrey with the Cowboys for place kicker. Obviously, everyone's been talking about Aubrey and his can't miss this season. Well, they've both been really good, and they certainly have dominated field position, the Cowboys, between kickoffs and punts. Uh, they fling, Anger has flipped the field many times this year for the Cowboys, even on the road where they don't do as well. That has not been – I'm guessing the road splits uh, for him – are not as bad as the team. <laughs> the AFC is coming up on the other side of the break as we wrap up our number one of this Thursday edition of the Extra Point. Happening next. SB Nation Radio is now Sports Map Radio, keeping sports content fresh and fun. Join us right here on KDUS AM 1060. AM 1060. Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortolaro here with you. We'll take phone calls in hour number two around 1215 if you'd like to join 602-260-1060. Continuing the Pro Bowl conversation, uh, we went through the players named in the NFC. We'll do so now in the AFC, and we'll get things started with the quarterback position. Lamar Jackson, Patrick Mahomes, and Tua Tungafaloa. I guess they have to have three in there. That's the only way Mahomes should be on this list for this year. 
Yeah, uh, you know, it's been a rough year for him. Uh, You know, we could have a conversation of is it him? Is it the receivers not catching the ball? Is it a combination of of him trying to do a little bit too much? What is it? But yeah, uh, there's also been some key injuries in the AFC to some more prominent names. That's true. A lot of it is Mahomes. I think that he's gotten off the hook here some. I mean, it's just not all the receivers dropping passes, which they have done in a really high level. It's also not all the offensive line not blocking as well as they have in the past, which has also occurred. But he's uh, there's been many easy throws that he has not made this year. So I know how you feel about Josh Allen this year uh, and the the narrative that frustrates you about him having a great season. So would you prefer to see Patrick Mahomes here or Josh Allen's name here? I think Allen's more deserving for this year, and I'm not a fan of him either. But uh, yeah, I just don't. I think it's another. It's another joke that uh, Mahomes is in the game. But yeah, I'm, yeah it's you know somebody has to watch this, I guess. So there's no way that Mahomes is not going to be in this game. Wide receivers: Keenan Allen, Jamar Chase, Amari Cooper, and Tyreek Hill. I don't even know if they play a game anymore. Quite frankly, I'm not sure how that works anymore. Nor do I care. Uh, they they could be playing that game in my yard outside here, and I would uh, I would leave and uh, let let me know when you're done, and I'll come back home. Uh, <laughs> sorry, back to the wide receivers. Who we have there? Keenan Allen, Jamar Chase, Amari Cooper, and Tyreek Hill. Keenan Allen's missed a bunch of games. I yeah. mean, at least five. So I just don't understand how you can miss a, almost a third of your games and be included in something like this. I'm wondering that, too. I will say I 100% agree with Amari Cooper and Tyreek Hill, and especially Amari Cooper with Joe Flacco. Yeah, well, even before then, I think I was actually more impressed with him before Joe Flacco because you knew he's going to be good when Flacco was just heaving the ball down the field. The fact that Cooper has been wildly inconsistent in his career in other places, no matter who the quarterback has been, you know, I think actually this is one of the few years I wish I had him on a fantasy team. Because he drive, he's driven people crazy before because you don't know if you're going to get like five catches for 100 yards or one catch for five yards from week to week. Uh, but you know, he's been amazing this year. And if he had done this throughout his career, I think there'd be uh, less criticism, at least for me, about Cooper. Running backs, James Cook, Derek Henry, and Raheem Mostert. Yeah. Kind of a weak crop there, isn't it? <laughs> so <laughs> that's, that's a there. nice I'm way look- of putting it. Yeah, I'm thinking if you look at running backs from the past Pro Bowls, that you're probably more impressed than that group there. We'll continue on in this list. We'll also get to some comments from head coach of the Arizona Cardinals, Jonathan Gannon, quarterback Kyler Murray. We'll take your phone calls and uh, dive into some NBA notes too. Happening in hour number two next. <laughs> 